And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Sun is still shining, but it's getting <laughs> a little bit colder. Yeah, it's a little chilly this morning, and there's yeah. a big temperature gap, so be sure to bundle up, folks, because this is the perfect condition to apparently catch a cold. Something about keeping the mask on yeah. the last few years, it makes the mm. virus stronger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I underestimated the weather last night a little bit. I uh, I dressed a little bit thin when I went out last night. And uh, yeah, I was uh, heavily punished for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let that be a warning to you all today. A big temperature gap. Let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. We're going to try to clarify some of these major headlines for our listeners. And this is our first pick of the day. Revive three-way ties. So President Yun Suk-yeol is hoping to resume stalled trilateral diplomacy with China and Japan. Can you run us through what was said? Right. So he's obviously pushing uh, to get Japanese uh, relations with Japan back on track right. with a series of uh, plans in terms of compensation for these forced labor victims and other efforts as well, including the uh, white list of trading partners and the W. TO uh, withdrawal of the complaints of um, certain issues as well. Now, now it's the turn of China and all three countries coming together in uh, better trilateral uh, diplomacy. Now, according to a written press briefing by the spokesperson Idun, Yun was speaking during a dinner meeting with the chiefs of overseas South Korean missions at Changwade, which is the former uh, presidential complex. Now, the dinner brought together 166 senior diplomats and was the first of its kind since you took office. Uh, Korea is currently the rotating chair of the trilateral summit and his comments have raised speculation of a resumption of the summit as early as this year. So we'll have to wait and see. Now the three countries had held eight rounds of three-way summits since their first gathering in December 2018. They have been stalled since December 2019, which was the last one amid historical feuds between Seoul and Tokyo, as well as, of course, the pandemic coming into the picture as well. Mm -hmm. Now, Yoon also stressed the importance of the missions undertaken by those on the front lines of diplomacy, as he put it. And he was also quoted as saying that now is the time when we have to marshal all diplomatic capabilities to create a breakthrough for Korea to overcome what he called the poly crisis. Mm -hmm. Now, touching on his administration's push to reinforce the South Korea-US alliance and improve relations with Japan, the president pointed out it has been focusing its diplomatic efforts to strengthen what Yoon called the solidarity of freedom. And he also called on the diplomats, meanwhile, to do their best to support Korea's bid to host the uh, 2030 World Expo mm -hmm. in Busan. So it was a very important meeting in terms of uh, setting out a roadmap uh, for Korea's diplomacy going forward. Mm. And of course, uh, on top of that agenda is uh, bringing relations back on track with Japan and of course China as well. All right, so we'll have to see. Uh, Korea is aiming to resume that summit diplomacy within this calendar year. Uh, as you've said, this is a larger framework at hand. We'll see what else comes up next. Let's move on to our second keyword of the day. Naval drill. So North Korea has fired two short-range ballistic missiles into the East Sea just hours before U.S. nuclear-powered aircraft carriers staged joint naval drills uh, near Jeju Island. As thing, these things go, they're never coincidences. The timing of it all, right? So what's the latest? 
Right, so the, basically the two SRBMs, they were launched from the area of Chunghua County in north Huangye province, which borders Pyongyang and South Korea and the US, as is routinely done, strongly condemned the launches and vowed firm readiness postures. And Seoul added that it would continue the military drills with Washington um, as planned. Now, Pyongyang's latest provocation came as South Korea and the United States kicked off what's called the Sangyong, or Double Dragon Amphibious Landing Exercise, last week. It is scheduled to end next uh, Monday. Now, the U.S. Navy's supercarrier, the USS Nimitz, and its strike group that includes warships armed with guided missiles, was due to dock uh, in Busan today, in fact. Uh, it's the first time for a US, U.S. aircraft carrier to come to South Korea since um, last September, when the USS Ronald Reagan was here. Now, the USS Nimitz aircraft carrier strike group also trained together with South, uh, South Korea's major warships in waters south of the peninsula yesterday. South Korea's Navy said the exercises were intended to improve the alliance's capabilities to stage combined military operations and enhance the viability of U.S. extended deterrence by deploying the U.S. strategic assets. We've been hearing the word extended deterrence a lot recently when right. it comes to uh, South Korea, U.S. Uh, military alliances, as well as North Korean uh, stories as well. Now, the South Korean Navy's destroyer Sejong the Great with the Aegis combat system, destroyer Cheyong and the fast combat support ship Patan are taking part in the drills. The Allies uh, concluded their regular springtime exercises, which are called the Freedom Shield, last week. But they do have other field training uh, in line, uh, including the amphibious landing drills and also the exercises um, with the U.S. carrier as well. So as long as they are continuing, it is more likely to see uh, we're likely to see North Korea conduct even more weapons testing yeah. and more missile launches while it's going on. All right, that's the latest on that front. Let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Japanese textbooks. So at the heart of the strained Seoul-Tokyo relations, how we record history, the Japanese government is due to announce its authorization of school textbooks for elementary students today. Korea is keeping a close eye on the announcement itself as it could contain issues that could again threaten Seoul's efforts to revive ties with Tokyo. Yeah, so such issues that have caused problems in the past and uh, still do, in fact, uh, include uh, claims to top tour as well as these distorted claims over the uh, wartime uh, sexual slavery issue as well. Now, when asked about the planned announcement by reporters, a senior Korean government official said Seoul will first have to look at the details. Now, the official noted that it's too early to speculate on something that hasn't happened yet, so we don't know anything mm -hmm. until that announcement is made today. Uh, now, when asked how the government will respond to the announcement, the official said the government will take issue if there are grave provocations written in the textbooks. Now, the official added that if the same problem over the past decade persists, then Seoul will have no choice but to follow precedent. So basically saying there will be no chance in its uh, change, rather, in its um, reactions to uh, these distorted claims, if they are included uh, in today's announcement. Now, uh, that includes voicing and filing strong protests with Tokyo and calling in diplomats, uh, etc. Uh, Japan announces the results of its textbooks, uh, textbook verifications every March. Each year, they have contained wrong and distorted information on the Tokyo Islets, as well as Japan's wartime sexual slavery. And this, of course, is every time sparked protests from Korea. Mm. Um, eyes will be on what comes out today, of course, and how the Korean government will react amid 
President Yoon's push to better relations with Japan. Uh, the top office, meanwhile, says Korea will take necessary steps to put Japan back on its trade whitelist and wait and see what measures Japan will take in response. So basically saying that Korea will make the first move and hopes that Japan will reciprocate. Mm. Now, Tokyo has been showing a lukewarm response and it hasn't really shown any clear corresponding movement as of yet. Mm. Uh, the rhetoric has been quite friendly, but in terms of actual practical movement and measures and policies, we haven't really been seeing much from the Japanese side. Mm. So we'll have to wait and see if it is in fact responded with uh, perhaps what the UN government was aiming for, but it doesn't seem like there could be a major about face for the UN mm. government's approach to thawing relationships with Tokyo. But uh, today, the announcement that we're awaiting on is, well, the Japanese textbooks for elementary students. So let's move on to our COVID-19 coverage. This is our fourth keyword of the day. Shortening quarantine. So the government is reviewing the possibility of reducing the mandatory self-quarantine period for COVID-19 patients from seven to five days. What can we expect? Right, so local health authorities said they were reviewing changes to, which is one of the country's last remaining COVID restrictions. We've seen many of the indoor mask uh, requirements being lifted, albeit not all of them. Now, an announcement on the decision uh, is expected tomorrow. Precisely when the isolation period will be shortened is still unknown. We won't know anything until that announcement is made. But reports suggest it could be earlier than late April, so in the coming weeks. Now, health officials believe Korea uh, is seeing fewer uh, new infections than in the past. They also deem the coronavirus itself to have weakened over time as well. So those are the reasons being cited for the review. Now, the fact that society has built a higher immunity rate due to previous mass infections as well as vaccinations was also reportedly considered. Um, now, most other countries either don't require isolation or only goes as far as to kind of recommend one. Right. So Korea uh, has been criticized by the public for being kind of uh, backtracking on that uh, trend. Uh, only a handful of countries had seven day quarantine policies, including um, Japan, for example. Uh, in Greece, Italy, Slovakia and Israel, the rule is to quarantine for five days. So it seems mm. Korea is taking cues from that. Now, tomorrow's announcement is also expected to contain uh, a finalized roadmap for basically a general return uh, to normalcy. Well, so we'll probably see some other um, announcements and policies or easing of restrictions uh, being announced tomorrow. We'll have to see. All right. With that, we move on to our final keyword of the day. Bleak growth prospects. So the World Bank projects a global economy to slump to a three-decade low by 2030. So their projection is so bleak that they estimate that at least for the next 10 years, things are not going to look up. Yeah, we've had these assessments by a lot of uh, economists and a lot of economy-related articles that maybe things will pick up from the latter half of this year. Right. But it seems like there's still more things uh, that are trying to uh, or weigh down, weighing down on the economy uh, and the economy going forward as well. And the World Bank is making that assessment here. It warned in its latest report that the so-called speed limit for the global economy will drop to a 30-year low of 2.2% per year through the year 2030, basically ushering in uh, what they're calling a lost decade for the world's economy. Now, that's down by about a third from the 3.5% growth rate that we saw during the first decade of this century. Now, 
The speed limit of the global economy is basically the maximum speed at which economies can grow without sparking inflation. Now, it assesses that system, uh, systemic banking crises, that, like the ones we saw with Silicon Valley right. and Signature, as well as Credit Suisse and uh, recessions, are expected to have lasting effects on the world's economic growth and development. Especially for developing countries, the decline will be equally steep, dropping to near 4% mm. annually over the remainder of this decade, from 6% a year between 2000 and 2010. Now, the bank warned these declines will be much steeper if these countries face a global financial crisis or a, or a recession. It's, basic, um, it's a basic trend that these developing countries or less well-off countries mm. do suffer the brunt even more. They do take a bigger hit whenever, whenever there's a global recession or economic downfall. However, it's said the long-term global economic decline expected by the World Bank is reversible, basically urging policymakers to put in measures to kind of mitigate the fallouts of the economy. But of course, um, there are some things that are out of reach of local economies and governments. Uh, but uh, things like geopolitical issues, including the war in Ukraine, right. um, and things like that, things that can be avoided and might come to an end. We'll see if those do have any repercussions or any positive impacts going forward. But for now, it seems a report says the overlapping crisis of the past few years created this mm. perfect cocktail for gloomy economic outlooks. As you've said, the pandemic, the invasion of Ukraine, uh, higher prices, slow growth, mm. things are expensive. I can afford nothing. That's the how the story goes. <laughs> yeah, they all piled on just recently as well, right. haven't they, over the right. past year or two. So, of course, we might be seeing these things usually have ripple effects a little bit later on, so we'll have to see how long it will be prolonged for, but hopefully not too long. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage. Have a safe day and we'll see you tomorrow. You too. Stay safe. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.